Today, as we get started in the series, I just want to do really two things for you here today. Number one, I want to give you a reason to listen to me for the next 30 minutes. So I'm going to tell you why thankfulness is such a good thing. And uh, um, kind of a spoiler alert, but next week, Ben is really going to flesh this out more as he talks about gratitude and the power of it. But I'll just give you a quick preview of why thankfulness is such an important thing to have. Um, but then for the rest of the time, I'm going to talk about one of the major enemies of thankfulness. One of the things that steals the fullness of thanks out of our life more than anything else. So uh, the first thing, I want to just give you a reason to listen to me here for the next 30 minutes or so, and I want to show you some of the thankfulness perks that are out there. These perks aren't things that I'm teaching you. This is stuff you already know because in seasons of your own personal thankfulness, you've probably found these things to be true of yourself. These things don't come from the Bible. These things come from a website called Psychology Today. They did a lot of research into how thankfulness can impact people's lives, and here are some of the things that they found. Thankfulness. Those who are thankful, intentionally thankful, next slide, they showed an increase in happiness. They were happier. Raise your hand if you would like to be happier. No, I'm kidding. All of us want to be happier, and they say the, the pathway to get there is simply by being more thankful. There's a few other things. Uh, they saw that there's a decrease in depression, stress, anxiety, and addiction. In their study, those who were intentionally finding things to be thankful for had a decrease in all of these areas. Again, this isn't maybe talking about the, the medical side of things, but it's, it's more about the general stress anxiety, depression that people might find themselves in. Those who were more thankful saw a decrease in those. And then finally, one other thing that they saw is that those who were more thankful had improved relationships, improved sleep, improved health. Any parents of kids out there who would like some improved sleep? <laughs> they say more thankfulness is the pathway to better sleep, better health. And what I didn't put on the screen is it's not just better friendships. They say that you're actually better at navigating conflict when you are more thankful. But they also highlight the category of romantic relationships, uh, marriages. There, there's an increased satisfaction in those relationships when you are intentionally more full of thanks. Translation. When you are full of thanks, you are a better person for the people around you. And in some sense, it seems that the people around you are going to be better also. This all goes back to the greatest commandment Jesus gave. In fact, the only commandment he gave. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And it's really hard to love one another if you are not filled with thanks for what Jesus did for you. Throughout the New Testament, we actually see this happen over and over again, where there's so many different places where thankfulness isn't just pointed to as a remedy for some of the things that we go through in life, but thankfulness is actually expected of you. If you are a follower of Jesus, it is expected that your life will be full of thanks. I just have one passage. I could have chosen 20, but I chose one passage. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in the first century. He said, give thanks in all circumstances. And in just a minute, I'll show you why it's so impressive that he was willing to share that in writing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, online people, I probably just messed up your camera angle. I hope that didn't 
do too much. I just had to bring it closer to you because this is so impressive. I had to bring it in to your life. In all circumstances, right now, today, if you were to look at how your heart is doing, I have two questions for you. Are you as full of thanks as you should be? I say should be because it is commanded. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be thankful. Are you as thankful, full of thanks as you should be? And here's where the preacher got you. Here's where the preacher got himself. Because we would all have to shake our heads and say, you know what? I'm not as thankful as I should be. But what about this question? Are you as thankful as you could be? That, for me, sums up the reason why God commands us to be full of thanks. It's not because God needs our thanks, but it's because God wants something for us. He wants for us to be full of thanks because that puts us in a position as his church to do what only his church can do. So I think across the board, all of us are in a place for one reason or another. Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe it's the election. Maybe it's something else unique to your life where you're thinking to yourself, I'm not as full of thanks as I should be or as I could be. And I wish I were more full of thankfulness in my heart. How do I get there? That's what we want to talk about today. How can you be more full? How can you be more filled up with thankfulness? And here's what I think each and every one of us knows. Maybe not the younger generation. When I was younger, I thought to myself, I will be more full of thanks when I have more to be thankful for. You ever think that? If only I had more stuff, more things, more money, more titles, more position, whatever it is, if only I had more, I would be more thankful. But I think we all know that not to be true. The idea that someday I'll be thankful, if only I have this, is only setting you up to be unthankful even more. So what we all know is that you don't need more to be thankful for. What we need is to identify what the issue is. I'll put it this way. If right now you have at least one set of clothing and no other possessions, you have a reason to be thankful because you have more now than when you were born. And as you think about all of the things you have, all of the sets of clothing, so many you can't choose which one to wear and which shoes to wear, and making sure your belt matches your shoes, which I struggled with a little bit this morning, we have so much to be thankful for. The problem isn't that we need more to be thankful for. Here's the problem that we're going to dig into today. The problem is that something is causing a leak. We're being filled up with things, And no matter how much we fill up, fill up, fill up, still we're not as full of thanks because something has sprung a leak. Now, I'll illustrate it this way. My my, um, disclaimer is that Pastor Ben is the master of illustrations. Um, Like he has huge anchors that he'll bring up on stage. And, you know, I think it's just so he can, you know, curl his biceps a little bit for you. Um, I'm curling my biceps with a styrofoam cup today. Um, so I'll illustrate it this way. So not too long ago, I was walking through my kitchen at home, and there was a cup of water. Oops, almost forgot the most important thing. There was a, a cup of water on the counter, and I've got three kids, so at any given time, there's like 10 cups of water on the counter. Anyone else go through that? 
But there was something unusual about this cup of water. I noticed that there was water all around the base of it. Which, when you see that, your first assumption is condensation, because it was kind of like, you know, just right around the bottom of it. So I lifted it up, wiped off the counter, put the cup back down. Came back 10 minutes later, I look at the cup, and there's this little bit of water around the bottom of it again. I'm like, well, that's weird. So here's what I didn't do. I didn't empty out the cup and fill it back up with water. I didn't empty out the cup and fill it back up with Coke or orange juice or some other sticky substance. What I did was I emptied out the cup and I looked at it. And what do you think I found? This isn't rocket science. I lifted it up and I found that there was actually a little hole in the bottom of the cup, a little crack that was causing it to spill out everywhere. No matter how full I would make it, it had sprung a leak and it would not hold what it was supposed to hold. And the same is true of us. Discontentment is what will make us unable to be full of thanks. Discontentment is like something that takes what should be full of thankfulness and it just puts more and more holes in it. Maybe you were satisfied with what was in your cup. Let's just say it's, it's uh, material wealth, it's, it's toys, it's stuff, it's money. You were so content with what was in your cup until it wasn't as much as the person next to you. And in discontentment, you kind of poked a hole in what you had and no longer will you, were you filled with thanks over it. At the end of the message, we'll talk about all the different things, or at least a few of the major things that can poke holes in our thankfulness. But what we need to recognize is that the greatest enemy when it comes to the fullness of our thanks is not that we need more stuff. It's that we've sprung a leak. And number one, the thing I want you to remember today is that discontentment makes you thank less. It empties you of reasons to give thanks. It will rob you of the ability to give thanks because discontentment empties out what you have with the vain attempt to replace it with something better. Discontentment is the greatest enemy to thankfulness. And so what I want to do is show you how a man who was uniquely positioned to talk about this topic brought such insight and wisdom as he laid out some principles for dealing with discontentment and building up the thankfulness that, all of, that God wants all of us to have in our lives. And, and by the way, I just have to say this real quick. Um, last night for our Saturday service, I was doing the same illustration, except I didn't have this little plate. And I, camera, uh, can you follow me? So while I was doing this illustration last night, um, Danny, who's in charge of all the equipment up here, he, he like ran to the front of church with all this uh, paper towel. And he, he was like really nervous. And I was like, dude, it's okay. It's just a little trickle of water. We're, we're fine. But the takeaway is that when, when you're discontent with your life, it'll often create issues for the people around you too, where they will see what's going on and understand it before you do. So here's where we want to go today. We're going to look at the letter to the Philippians that the Apostle Paul wrote. And I want to share with you some remarkable, remarkable background to the reason Paul wrote this letter and where he was personally as he wrote it. Because he was not in no position to be overflowing with thanks, and yet his cup was full. 
Now, if you want the whole story behind what happened here, I encourage you this week to read the second half of the book of Acts in the New Testament. It, it uh, tells the story of how the Apostle Paul basically went from persecuting Christians to now going out and planting Christian churches throughout the Mediterranean area. And as a result of what he did, he won many, many enemies. To the point where when we get to the book of Philippians, which was written in about 60 AD, uh, he was imprisoned. Not necessarily in a jail cell, but the way prison worked for him was he was literally shackled to a Roman guard or a Roman soldier. And that was his form of imprisonment. It allowed him some flexibility to do things he wanted to do, needed to do. It allowed him flexibility to see people, although there were some restrictions. But as he was able to go about his work as an apostle in chains, he saw an opportunity in that. He got to go where no other apostle could go, which was inside the Roman government itself. And he won many people for Christ as such. And so as he's imprisoned, he's writing these letters to some of the churches that he had planted and some of the churches he had visited. And again, if you read through the book of Acts, you'll see how he visited and planted this church in Philippi. Um, but, but as he writes this letter, he's acknowledging for them here at the end of the letter in chapter four, how he was so grateful for something they did. They reached out to him and sent him a gift to support him while he was imprisoned. And how he talks about their gift gives us such insight into contentment and what it does when we get it right. So here's Paul in Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10. Paul says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me, talking about the gift they had sent him. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. You, you wanted to support me in prison, but maybe there weren't any windows that they could come in and, and see him. Or maybe the Roman government had secluded him for a while. We're not entirely sure what it was. They were concerned for him, but now finally they were able to deliver a gift for him to support him during this time. I am not saying this. I'm not saying thank you for this gift because I am in need. Uh, the, that word in need literally means like I'm hopeless. I'm gone. I'm, I've lost all hope, but thankfully you came in to save me. No, I was not in that situation. I was not in need because here's the important part. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I have learned something that nobody knows by nature. This is not instinct. It's not natural. This is something that must be learned by experience. I have learned to be content, no matter the circumstances. And as you read through the book of Acts and see what the Apostle Paul went through, your jaw would be on the ground. He went through times of great prosperity and wealth. He went through times where he barely had a set of clothing and no food to provide for him. He had lots. He had little. In fact, he goes on to explain this. In all the circumstances that he went through, he had to learn contentment. And here's why. Verse 12, he says, I know, I've experienced this. I know what it's like to be in need. And I know I've experienced what it's like to have plenty. I have learned a secret. Uh, that's a really interesting Greek word that doesn't come up very often. I've been initiated into this knowledge that few people have found. 
I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And what comes next is one of the most popular sentences that he wrote. In fact, if you come into my home, right now it's uh, sitting on a shelf in the basement, but you'll probably see what comes next in many Christian homes. The old translation, you'll see it on plaques, you'll see it on um, artwork. The, the phrase goes like this. The, the old NIV is what we're probably most familiar with. It says, I can do all things through Christ who, who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that sounds like a great truth to live by until it doesn't work for you. Some of you have tried to overcome great things by faith in Christ, but it just didn't work. And now maybe that thing that used to be on your wall, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe it's gotten a little dusty and maybe like with me, it's sitting in your basement on a shelf. That's a good statement. It's a good verse, but it's taken out of context quite often. What Paul is saying here not, is not, you can literally do anything you want if you have faith in Christ. What he's saying is, I have gone through all these things, times of plenty, times of need, times where I had everything, times where I had nothing, and I was able to be content. The reason I was able to do all of that was not because I was really good at meditating. It's not because I had a rock-solid trust in God. It's not because I did something that was super special. But the reason I can do all this is because it is through him. Through him who gives me strength. And I'll tell you what, to have contentment requires strength. Contentment in times of need requires strength. It requires trust that God will provide what you need. And the opposite is also true. When you are in times of plenty, it requires strength to remain content in what you have. Not comparing, not flaunting, but being content, quietly, inwardly content with what you have. Contentment isn't just about having a lot. It's not just about having a little. It's about an internal response. Sometimes when I think of contentment, I think of, you know, I'm okay with what I have. And that's, that's a good way to put it. But contentment in Paul's language is so much more than realigning your, your brain to see your possessions differently. It's about realigning your heart to look for your trust and look for your hope in a different place. Or I'll put it this way for those who like to take notes. True contentment is something that depends on a person, not on a condition. If you're waiting for the conditions around you to change so that you can be content, you will be waiting for a while. All you're doing is poking holes of discontentment in your life. But when, when your contentment is focused towards a person, Jesus, God, it is then that contentment takes on a different picture. Now, I'll just quickly go back to this uh, mess of a cup over here, and it's pretty much drained by now. But if I would fill it up with water again, you know what would happen, right? When you come across a, a cup like this in your house, you probably don't have a styrofoam cup, but uh, maybe you've got a plastic cup that has a crack in it. And if you fill it up and it leaks, you most likely throw it away. 
That's what a reasonable person does. That's what I did with the cup that leaked in my house. It is, it's, I don't know if it was recyclable or not, so don't quote me on what I did with it, but it's, it's gone, it's removed, and it's been replaced. And I can't help but imagine what God sees when he looks at me. I'll just make this personal. You can personalize it for yourself. But, you know, he's given me so many things, a lot more than one set of clothing. I'll just put it that way. As Americans, it is amazing to see the blessings that we've been given. It's like we've been poured into, poured into, poured into. And you would think at some point, God would call it off. You'd think at some point, God would say, no more for you. I've given you so much to be thankful for, but you keep poking holes in it with discontentment. Why should I give you any more? Paul was convinced that no matter how much he was discontent, he still believed that God loved him. And this next section we're going to look at shows what God does with people like that, people like Paul, people like me, maybe people like you, who've been filled with so much and yet leak it out instead of being filled with thanks. So here's how Paul put into practice the, the thankfulness, the contentment in his life. As he responds to this gift from the Philippians, he, he gives us an amazing principle of what this looks like for us. So going on to the last uh, part here, he says, First of all, I didn't need your gift. I was content, but it was good for you, good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as, as you guys know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, in other words, it wasn't that I came to you as this great, nice friend or this you know, incredible teacher. It's not that you were focused on me, but it was everything to do with the gospel, the good news of what God did for you. In your early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. You have demonstrated an amazing thankfulness. Not for me, not for Paul. You've shown an amazing thankfulness for the gospel that I was honored to share with you. He, Paul, in his contentment, sees overflowing thankfulness and contentment from the people he's talking to. Then he concludes with this, verse 17. He says, not that I desire your gifts. The word desire means to seek out or to chase after, like single-minded, like I'm going to plant this church so that they give me money. That was not his intent. I did not desire your gifts. What I desire is the opposite, that more be credited to your account. And Paul didn't say this to everybody, but he said it to them because he knew that whether they had little or much, it was safe. These were a people who were content in the Lord. And he in turn gets to share that contentment. I wish that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. <laughs> He could have done so much more than that. He could have said, this is good. But you know everything I did for you? I think you could give me a little more. This is good. It's nice what you sent me. But you know what? I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ sent out by him personally. And I'm kind of a big deal. So make this a monthly thing. You know, he could have done that. But instead, his attitude was one that reflected genuine contentment. They 
did not owe him anything. In fact, he reciprocates them by asking God's blessing in this final verse here, verse 19. He says, my, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, the riches of his glory that we share in, the riches of his eternal inheritance. Even if you're not repaid on this side of heaven, we will join together eternally with a, with a treasure, with riches that are far beyond that. And in this section, he gives this amazing example of what contentment looked like for him and also for us. The principle he lived by is simply this. Number three, that you can be content with anything when you remember that you are owed nothing. Children, your parents owe you nothing. So when you ask them for lunch, ask nicely. Parents, especially parents who are older, your children owe you nothing. The lesson to be learned from this is that when you feel you are owed something, what you're doing is you're discontent with what you have and what fills its gap is entitlement. You are owed something and entitlement will destroy thankfulness anytime, any day. You are owed nothing. And to close this message, I want to give one final little illustration here. I want to show you thankfulness on display. Um, one, one time I saw thankfulness on display in Jesus' life was when he was with his disciples. Jesus had been teaching all day. And as he, he Jesus, realized it was getting late, and there were thousands of people who were sitting and watching him, he turned to his 12 and he said, hey guys, go get some lunch for all these people. And you've probably heard about it. Uh, the disciples looked around. Like, they're like, we don't have any money. What are we supposed to do with this? And it's like they played this little joke on Jesus. They found this little kid with um, some bread and fish. That was a, they took a kid's lunch and they brought it to Jesus and they said, here, it's what we got. Totally discontent, totally, you know, what are we supposed to do with this? And do you know what the first thing Jesus did was? What they brought perhaps as a mocking gift before Jesus, Jesus took it. And the first thing he did was that he was full of thanks. He took it. He gave thanks. He thanked his father in heaven for the meal because he believed that whatever God gave him would be sufficient. Isn't that incredible? The first thing he did was to be thankful for it. That's thankfulness on display. That is contentment with whatever has been poured into your cup and let God figure out the rest. But the, the other part I want to conclude with is this. Even when Jesus, Jesus was on the cross, there was thankfulness in his heart. Not in a way that really just makes itself super obvious, but I know there was thankfulness in his heart because if there was a lack of thankfulness, it would have been replaced by entitlement. And there was no entitlement. Instead, you see Jesus with a heart of thankfulness turn to his disciple, John, and look at his mother, Mary, and he says, disciple, here is your mother. Please take after her. Thank you for being here for me. And instead of being so entitled to the point of anger with the soldiers around him, instead, Jesus looks at the people who are crucifying him, and he says, Father, forgive them. Even in that moment, his heart was so full of thankfulness he was what we never could be, the perfect contentment, the perfect measure of full thankfulness so that what he could do for us 
is simply this. This is what Paul said throughout so many of his letters. He said, you and I were dead in our transgressions and sin. We were useless. We were a mess. We were objects of God's wrath, but then you were placed in Christ. God did not throw you away. He redeemed you. He made you new. He covered you. He clothed you with what Christ has done so that right now, as you think about your father in heaven, he does not view you as some cup to be thrown away. He views you as his own son. Perfect and full of thanks. Now you and I get to wrestle with what that means for us this week. Here's a quick application from Hebrews chapter 13 as it talks about the, the um, wrestling we might do with this. But here's the good news in one quick verse. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money, trying to fill up more and more and more because we're just going to leak it out. Don't make that your goal. Instead, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. See the contentment. See the the perfect fullness of thankfulness that God has given to you. And what we all need to do this week, and I think every week, is this. We need to locate the leak. Maybe it's an area of finances. Maybe it's a relational area of your life. You, you could kind of picture it as your life is a bunch of little cups that God fills up different things with, and some seasons are different than others. But maybe right now, one of those cups is leaking more than the rest. And the people around you are bringing those paper towels in because they can see it. Maybe you can't. Would you take a look for it this week? The, the key to being full of thanks is not to be filled with more things. It's to find the leak, to address the leak, to, to understand what it means to be placed in Christ in the fullness of what he's done for you. And as I thought about that this week, I, I located, there's, 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 I know there's more than this, I identified maybe three main things that might be causing your leak this week. Uh, the first thing is comparison. Um, when we compare ourselves to others, it's, it's funny how we can you know, look at ourselves as maybe you're happy with what you have, but then you see your neighbor next to you with their, all the stuff they have, and all of a sudden what you have isn't all that impressive anymore. And so you start to poke holes in it. You're discontent. You're not happy. You're not full of thanks like you could be. I think a big problem is sometimes we compare ourselves to others, and that makes us discontent with what we have. So maybe your leak is caused by that. Uh, for a lot of people in this season, your leak could be caused by a hardship, not just the hardship itself, but what often happens in times of hardship is that our cup goes from a large to a medium. The capacity for us to be filled up with whatever it is in that area of life is diminished, and we're not happy with the change. And in times of hardship, it's so easy to long for the old days when things were better and be discontent with what you've been given today. And if that's you, you need to be found in Christ and that perfect contentment that he has. And for some of us too, there's times of uncertainty. It's really hard to be content where you're at if you're not sure what's coming up next. Is, is what's in my cup today enough for what's coming up tomorrow? And in moments like that, you need to be filled with the trust, the contentment that only Jesus himself can give. So your homework this week is to locate the leak. What area of life is it that you're making the biggest mess in right now? And what does it mean for you to turn to God and say, I know I'm a wreck. I know I'm a mess. I know I should be thrown away. 
But instead of that, Father, would you let me be found in Christ? I will still have the leak that I need to work on, but let me be found in him so that I can be filled up with thankfulness, so that I can do what you have called me to do. And we're going to leave it at that today. It's more of a principle. It's more of an idea to get you thinking about your personal level of fullness of thanks and what might be causing the leaks. And next week, we're going to talk about the power that God can work when we have our cups filled with thankfulness for him. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, this is a season where a lot of us, for different reasons and for multiplied reasons, can find ourselves lacking in thankfulness. It's one thing for me to stand up here and just say that we all should be more thankful and we'd all nod our heads and agree with that. But it's for, for, with you, Father, it's, it's more than that. You, you don't just want thankfulness from us. You want the fullness of thanks to be in our hearts because of what it does for us. It makes us the children that you've called us to be. It fills us with joy, with peace, with happiness. It makes us better at loving the people around us. And, and as a church, it makes us more effective in sharing your good news with the world around us. So I pray you'd give us extraordinary insight this week as individuals to locate the leaks, to find what's been, been causing our discontentment, to be honest with ourselves, to come before you in repentance and to turn to you, not just to patch our holes, but to place us in Christ, the place where we can fully find the joy and the peace that we need. So I ask that blessing for, for all of us. Bless our nation, bless our country, bless our people. Give us all a heart of thankfulness for what you've done for us. I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.